Welcome back to the Frizz and the Grease podcast with your hosts, Prudo and D. Hello and welcome back to Frizz and the Grizz. It's your boy Trudeau. Thank you for joining us live Tuesday, February 6th or tomorrow on podcast, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Remember, hook your boys up, press all those buttons, rate, subscribe, review. Great show for you today. Lots of NBA action. We have a special guest joining us live from Washington, D.C., the, the district, Biddies. What's up, Biddies? Good to see you, buddy. Steve, D, it's great to be back, and I come bearing good news. Your boy, Master Teppanyaki Chef at Ooh, Benihana. Shit, let's certified. go. Cooking it, cooking it. You, you get the volcano, the nice little volcano, and get the. Oh well, we'll we'll add it to the social post of all the great content of my debut at Benihana, Bethesda. Hey <laughs> man, if we ever come down to DC, you better chef it up for us. But first, <laughs> I am remiss not to ask my co-host D, how you doing, buddy? What a do, baby! As we always say, happy fucking Tuesday. Wait, 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 wait. I know I don't got my horns, but it's fine. I'll do it myself. Now, everything is good, man. It's been a great week, uh, busy week already, and it's only Tuesday, but it's because it's the, the start of a new month. Weird to say February is already here. We're one month into 2024, technically the second month. So, shit, man, time flies, but we're always having fun. Always having fun on this show for sure. Usually we've been heavy on the NBA, NFL, like I said before, but now today, big NBA day. We've got the trade, trade deadline coming up, which is very exciting. Comes up on Thursday. We're going to talk about teams that should be making moves or teams that we expect not to make moves. Spoiler alert, we think it might be a quiet deadline, but we will see. Um, we also have some season look-aheads for the marquee teams, talking Celtics, Lakers, some other big-name teams in the West. Biddy's all fire up in the West. We got you covered. All East Coast, North Carolina, Boston, Massachusetts, D.C., with all your NBA coverage. Um, I want to start off, off start us off somewhere today because I've been busting my ass before the show for 20 minutes. I was late to the pre-show meeting. Didn't even get a chance to catch up with Biddy's. I was putting something together because we had a very tragic thing happen over the weekend. A name very dear to this show. Our One of our co-hosts dressed as in for Halloween one year. Carl Reathers, a.k.a. Apollo Creed, put together a little something to pay tribute to the great acting legend. He was also a uh, CFL player and a college football player, if you weren't aware. But yeah, a little something to uh, pay tribute to our guy. Exactly what are you looking for, Apollo? This is what I'm looking for. The Italian Stallion. Rocky Balboa? Never heard of him. Look, it's the name, man. The Italian Stallion. Look, nobody goes the distance with me. Get up out of that chair, Chump, and let's finish this fight right now. What we talked about, huh? Don't even look at the green. Make contact with the ball. There's no goalie out there to block it. Remember, it's all in the head. Hey, it's all in. Come on. Work with me now. It's all in the head. Yeah, it's all in the head. It's 
So yeah, I feel like that's our guy. We had to give him some love. Great goosebumps, guy. man. Goosebumps. I know for those that uh, aren't familiar with it, it, it definitely is more for me. But you know, Chubbs and Happy Gilmore, obviously. I think that's the more popular, um, I would say, character that most people know him for. Uh, for me, it's Papa Creed, right? And you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of Rocky. You know, the the entire series. Uh, not only was I, a, you know, a fan of the Rocky series, but I'm a big fan of the Creed series. Um, so it's it's just something that I've always watched, you know, grow grew up on watching. And like Trudeau was saying, I was able to, you know, I had the privilege of playing his character for um, Hollywood time ago. It's the last time that I was clean shaven. Like that's how dedicated I was. I grew out this beard for for months, and then when it came to Halloween, we were like, we're doing this, shaved everything but the stash. So I had the you know the the Apollo Creed stash. We walked we walked out with. American, you know, flag boxer shorts and, and the jacket. And I had the, the American hat, bro. It was, it was dope. So, you know, you know, rest, rest in, rest in peace, um, rest in paradise, you know, Carl Weathers, an, an incredible actor. Um, for me, it's just a, it was a fun time being able to reenact him as a, uh, as an actor for, for a time. It was also like 35 degrees that day too. It was, was at the greatest bar. Shout outs to all those Boston bars because it was cold as shit. And oddly enough, because of our suits, I don't know if you remember it, because it was a long time ago, a lot of drinking, but there was live band at the greatest bar and they have three, three floors, I think it is. And the dude, the, the band that was playing was like, you two called us up on stage because we, we were literally rocking in, in, in Apollo. They called them on, on stage. The security was like, get the motherfuckers <laughs> off the stage. What are you <laughs> doing? <laughs> that shows you. We had our like 10 seconds of fame. It was hilarious. How drunk I was because I do not remember getting up on stage that night. <laughs> but Biddies, are you a, a Rocky fan? Uh, Dude, I love the Rocky movies. Like, I came on for the wrestling podcast a year or two ago. I got to come back for the Rocky podcast that, I mean, that Rocky three training montage where it was just like Apollo turns Rocky into a good athlete. <laughs> Unreal. <laughs> and then obviously the finish, like the dude, Carl Weathers is doing a better job at playing essentially Muhammad Ali than anyone who's ever played Muhammad Ali. It's he was he was so good in it. And you know, Happy Gilmore also his cameo appearances appearances on Arrested Development were hilarious. Like R.I.P. to Carl Weathers, like just such a such a great performer and will will be missed. Well now that I have you with this question, Biddies, what Rocky movie is the best Rocky movie? I mean just got to relive the the pain and say Rocky four. I think that's the right answer. Right? The only answer. It is the only answer. The the training <laughs> montage. I, 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 someone brought this up on another podcast I was listening to is like Rocky's training regiment from Rocky one throughout the series just gets incredibly hard. His, his, his training for Rocky one is he's punching meat and running juggling like a apple. And by Rocky four, he's like carrying a whole village on a, like a, like a sled. Well, also like, like, also it's so funny that they make Drago on steroids when 
clearly Stallone is just like juiced out of his mind, has a perfect tan in Siberia. <laughs> it's the projection, man. We got to, we got to shout out for the USA. No, we, we wouldn't, we wouldn't cheat for sure. No way. No. A little bit. <laughs> yeah. But Hey, hot weather's greatly going to be missed by this show. Good man. Good actor. RIP. Let's get to the talk. All right, buddies, I'll let you start off with this one, talking some NBA traded line. My impression from you before the show is you think it might be a slower than normal deadline. Why is that? I think a lot of the usual suspects are in, um, like, awkward positions of what are they going to do? Who are they going to target? Does this actually make you better? Is this worth giving up your flexibility because so many teams have already sent out so many draft picks. And so I think teams are in a lot more of an awkward position than usual. And this we're under the new CBA now and the, the trade rules are more restrictive for those contenders who would usually be looking to pick somebody up. So I think we're living in a much different year than what we've seen in the past. And then we've also seen the blockbusters go off like the biggest names that are going to go this year i think are ananobi and siakam so that that's already in the past i think also makes it for a more quiet deadline yeah i'm kind of with you on that one we saw a lot of trades before the deadline not only with ananobi and siakam but with even james harden the first couple weeks of the season another big name and just looking at kind of the teams at the top of each conference that would potentially want to make a move a lot of them are asset poor uh, as far as first-round draft picks are concerned. And my understanding from here, listening to various media in the NBA is that teams that are selling are really interested in future draft picks right now instead of getting young prospects back. You think about the Cavaliers that trade away three first for Donovan Mitchell. The Bucks traded away a ton of picks um, to get Drew Holiday and then eventually get Damian Lillard. And then on the other side, you have Minnesota you know, with Gobert, um, some of the teams that do have potential flexibility and D I'm curious if you think these teams would be active in the market. I don't know what the, the Boston situation is with pick. I'm pretty sure Boston has some of their picks, but you're agreeing with me. They do. Okay. You're, you're mm-hmm. the Boston expert. New York Knicks still have a ton of picks. Um, and then OKC, which I don't know how aggressive they would be at the top of the West. Cause they're still young and we know Presti's kind of a hold your asset type of guy. Um, the, are there any teams that you think should make a move at the deadline that are like a top tier contender? I know you, you're a Lakers fan. We'll get to that later, but like a top tier contender. Yeah, you hit two of the five um, that I have here written down, and that's the Knicks and OKC. I think the Knicks are a superstar away from being a, an actual contender. Their defense is incredible, right? And I know Julius Randle is out for a while, but they, they have like a little tick right now with them where there's more of a buzz than you typically have. Like we remember the whole Carmelo days and the Kristaps days. But this is different because they're actually playing good defense. They're not just relying on putting as many points up on the board as they possibly can. Uh, so I think if they can get uh, the Villanova 2.0 crew another player, I mean, I know there's been jokes about Mikel Bridges being that guy. Um, you know, so we can come back home and play with those guys. But I think they're a superstar away. I don't know which superstar puts them over the hill, but I think that's a team that we'll be looking to buy because they're going to need to go up against Boston, obviously, and they're going to need to go up against Milwaukee. Philly's no longer really a player with Joel's injury. 
Um, and then on the second end is OKC for me just because of their youth. And I know you said Presti likes to hold on to their young talent, but Shea's window is going to close and they need to maximize what they have with um, with Chet, you betcha. Obviously, Giddy and, and some good pieces around are, are going to help them. But there's like they need one veteran style. I won't even say superstar, but like a Kyle Lowry type player that has the the play, not Kalari specifically, but that type of player that has the playoff experience to pull them through the playoffs because they're going to go up against teams that are meant for the playoffs, like the Clippers, the Lakers, and the Nuggets. Their youth is great, but you're going to need that one superstar that pulls them to the finish line to help out with Shea, uh, Gilgis Alexander. Well, let me just go back to the Knicks really quick because for maybe it's just me being a bias for the many years of their ineptitude. I don't see them as one of those premier top teams in the East. I think of the Bucks, the Celtics. Um, I used to think of the 76ers that way before the Embiid injury. Biddy's with the Knicks, do you think that they're a team that is a piece away? And who could that piece be if, if so? Yeah, I mean, so I think what I'm seeing with the Knicks, especially since the Ananobi trade and they've had some injuries, but like the Knicks have just so many good defensive players, basically other than Brunson, everyone is just a really tough defender in their rotation. And I think a year from now we might be saying like, Oh, the Knicks stole heat culture like what we used to talk about with miami being like well they you know on paper these guys don't add up to a true contender but they just play with a little bit more tenacity and you bring in a guy like ananobi who's so skilled defensively i think that elevates the knicks in my opinion i do think that like julius randall's just not a number two option on a true contender so they do need another number two option and there's questions of is a small guard like Jalen Brunson going to be able to carry you offensively we saw for years in Portland like Dane Lillard couldn't do it the much smaller guy but like the Isaiah Thomas Celtics they succeeded in a weak conference so I think like ultimately the Knicks do need still just that number one wing scorer I don't think Bridges is the guy that you go all in for. And so then they're just at a point where it's like, they just don't have the dance partner to get something done. I'm with you on that. I do think that they are a sleeping giant in the sense that they are one move away, but I don't think that one move is available to them right now. And they've been very patient about their process and waiting and holding assets. I mean, it's no secret that they were very much interested in Giannis and him signing that extension kind of put that fire out pretty quickly. Um, but with the Knicks, I don't, I'm, I'm the foremost expert in heat culture. You know, I'm a big heat culture guy <laughs> and I don't think they have the heat culture because the heat can develop. They can take pebbles and turn them into diamonds. The Knicks have not been able to do that. I do think they have tips culture, which love it or hate it, they're going to play hard for 82 games a, a year. But good God, those those players have lost two years of their overall career. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I mean, so so they the Knicks have the Evan Fournier contract. Like that's I mean, this is where like trades get hard is to have a player with a high enough salary that is expendable. 
it's easy on the Knicks because Evan Fournier is that guy. They're good to get rid of him and attach some picks to it. Um, they don't need to do it now. I think they can wait till this summer as well. But like, speaking of just like who's a who's the ultimate like Tibbs player that hasn't played for Tibbs yet? Alex Caruso. I think he would slide into this team yes. and just like be a perfect match for what they're doing for for Nick's culture. And I just think like if you can make that happen, then you go and do it. But at the same time. They are the sleeping giant. They are a team that when the right star tries to demand a trade, like they can make that big trade and not worry that he's going to walk because obviously New York's a glamour market. So maybe you don't sacrifice your flexibility. But like if I'm a Knicks fan and Caruso's out there, I really want to get Caruso because it just works perfectly. Yeah. Indeed, I know we threw well. I don't know if you or Biddy's throughout the name of Kyle Bridges. From my understanding from talking with the Biddy's and Seamus, like there's been a lot of buzz around Macal Bridges around this deadline, which it's a name that I wasn't thinking about a week ago, two weeks ago, as oh, he's definitely moving. because uh, he's one of those players that the Nets got as kind of a a rebuilding young player. Um they went that route versus giving me all the draft picks in the Kyrie and KD trade. What do you think the value of Macau Bridges would be? Because the things that I was hearing from Biddies and Seamus shocked me. What do you think that the market would be for Macau Bridges? I mean, just based off of players and how the NBA is usually costing in, in any type of trade, I would say two first rounders, two first rounders, and then maybe like a, a potential like salary cap dump somewhere where like if you have a um, an exception, you add that to it. So that helps out with any type of uh, any type of salary difference. Biddies, what's the buzz on Macal Bridges? It's that the Nets asked for five first. Not really, not really clear on the picks and protections. And I think it's just like, I think it's kind of like the negotiation game. the The Nets don't have any of their own picks, so they are they've traded a lot of their own picks, like for James Harden. Um, so they don't really like have an incentive to go to the bottom if they don't trade Bridges that's fine. They'll be in the play-in mix still. Um, so I think they're in, in a position where it's like, well, if you overwhelm us, and by the way, Siakam's already been traded. Nobody's like, nobody really seems super unhappy and is pushing their way out. Like there's not really another guy at this level potentially available. So we're going to say, give us everything. And if you don't do that, that's fine. We can walk away from the table and just continue on with our lives. Yeah. I don't see that being an issue either. Honestly, I, there's the, you, you said a good phrase where there's not a disgruntled superstar right now. And there typically is one or two per trade deadline where like there's buzz around it gone. Right. And, and the Harden thing was done at the beginning of the season. Pascal Siakam's was done about a month ago. So like these, these all NBA type players, uh, unless you can think of another one, I'm trying, I went I down the one. I have one, but it's not a tradable asset anymore. If you're talking Clay Thompson, it's no. not. Okay. I was talking Zach Levine was very disgruntled anymore though. Well, he's getting paid like one. Yeah. And teams. That, that's my guy. I, I and I, I've <laughs> talked about him going to LA for, for years and 
now I'm just like, dude, you're not producing. Like, I wouldn't even want you there. What's I feel like the deadline talk might be a good opportunity to talk about some of these teams that aren't closer to the top where we're going to talk about them later, potentially in the contenders portion of the, the podcast. Uh, the Nets, I don't know. Like, I, I don't want to talk too much of the Nets, but I don't know what their their plan is. They're kind of just middling with some couple of dudes. There's not really a direction. Um, I would love to see Mikael Bridges get traded to the Rockets so the Nets can at least get their stuff back. So if they're going to suck, might as well suck with your own picks. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that, but I did want to talk on the Bulls, which is a team that drives me freaking crazy every year. I feel like the Nets are talking about. Oh, I feel like the Nets are back to where they were before KD and Kyrie showed up. Like they traded all those picks to the Celtics, and then they just got to a point where it's like, well, we got to try to like put something together. And I feel like they're at the, a similar point where it's like, well, let's try to have like any sort of building block and and take it from there. It's a tough place to be as a franchise to be in the the purgatory of playing playing bubble every year, and that's kind of where the Bulls are happy to live. It seems like, which I don't understand. It's been three years. I mean, they had a really hot start three years ago, uh, where they were at one point the head of the East, and that fell apart. They ended up by getting bounced in the first round. Um, but now we're looking back to back years where they're going to fight for the playing spot. I don't understand what they're doing. My understanding of the situation is that they don't really want to sell like they kind of want to f- scrap for a play which makes zero sense i know miami did it but you don't have that heat culture which you know again i'm the heat culture guy um like biddies w- i guess like what should i know we, you're asking me what they should do but what should they do to blow it up like they you know there's talk that they want to hold on to caruso and I think every team in the league wants a guy like Caruso, but obviously the ceiling on a guy like that is pretty low where if you can get an unprotected pick because a team's desperate and like kind of kick it out a few years where there can be some volatility, like do that, add to the war chest, find someone to take DeMar DeRozan. He's about to be a free agent anyway. Like find anything for him rather than letting him walk or even worse, signing him to a new multi-year deal. Yeah. I think the worst thing that could happen to that franchise is Zach Levine getting hurt and them not being able to offload that contract right now. It's, it's pretty much a net negative. Uh, Caruso is an interesting player because a lot of teams would like a guard who can defend like it, like hell and, and, and uh, provide some offense and ball handling. I don't know what the best fit would be for him if he were to get traded. Uh, Biddies, you have a preferred destination? Yeah, I mean, anywhere. anywhere. He's a, like he is a true three and D guy, so he's gonna find a role on any team. He's been a role player on a championship team, so he's got the mentality that he's willing to sacrifice. Like, you know, I'm sure Milwaukee would do anything to get Alex Caruso. Yes. They can't. They don't have the 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 uh, assets to get him. But like, there's a what, name a team, they'll take Alex Caruso in a heartbeat. Yeah, I would have said Philly before the James Harden injury. I don't know what his status is. Um, I know he's at least four weeks to be reevaluated, which that doesn't ever means he's going to come back in four weeks. It's just being reevaluated. Um, do you have an interesting question for you? It's been kind of boggling my mind for weeks now, if not months. Like, I, like, Biddy's walks his dog and thinks about the top of the Western Conference. I walk my dog and think about if I was the GM of the Golden State Warriors because they're in a very precarious situation. They're at the, let's just say, the end of a dynasty. They've been great for so long, and 
right now they're sitting out of the play-in. They still have Steph Curry playing at an unbelievable level, but the West is deep. They don't seem to be going anywhere. If you're the GM of the Golden State Warriors, what would you be doing right now? I am, if I'm, I think it's Mike Dunleavy is the GM. If mm-hmm. I am him, I am sitting down with Clay Thompson and I am asking him where he wants to play. And I'm going to do a service of him because they're not, they don't have the assets. They don't have the capability of getting a super, getting a player that's going to help this team win a championship. That unfortunately, I think the run is done with Steph Curry. If he's playing, he's a threat, but I don't think he can carry this team at 35, 36 years old. So if I'm the GM, I'm getting rid of Clay's contract. I'm getting something that's going to help them potentially shoot better. Granted, we talked about a pre-show. Kaminga is that spark that they're looking to get, but it's just them three. Chris Paul's hurt. It's not. They don't have any. I would say like Clay making outside of Steph Curry. Draymond is on the back end of his career, coming off of suspension, along with more. You know, multiple times he'll probably miss more games this year. So there's really just Steph, and he's Superman. We've seen it, but he still needs some type of backup. Kaminga's not that guy, and Clay's a shell of himself. So I would work with Clay on getting him somewhere where he wants to go, but finding a piece in return for that here's, trade. Here's the thing, and I'll let Biddy's get in next. You're not getting anything from for Clay Thompson. You are he is a now, he is a negative contract at this point. Like his play is worse or lesser than what his salary is. So if you get rid of Clay, you're not getting anything back in value. And I think that's the problem with a lot of these Golden State guys like Clay and Draymond. They're viewed as either neutral contracts or net negatives, and you're not gonna get much back. So like for you, Biddies, there's three options, right? You stand pat and just keep keep chugging forward. You buy, which would probably mean moving on from Kaminga. I'd assume he'd probably be the most valuable piece to try to win now. Or you could, I don't know what a sell would look like, but then the problem is you have people to manage, right? You have the greatest player in franchise history, Steph Curry, and his window is like this, like, you know what, like the window's cracked and there's like a draft and you can just feel the draft, but the window's not open. That's the window in his career right now and they have to maximize that. So, it's a really precarious situation, Biddies. I don't know if you were the GM, what three options would you be taking right now? Um, I'd probably go more with an option of like using Moody and Picks as an incentive and Wiggins as a contract to try to find somebody that can fit the team. It's just tough because that's not like a great trade package for any worthwhile player if OKC is just like well, we'll throw Davis Bertans and 10 first round picks at you for any like really good player. Um, so it's just tough. And, and the thing about like trading Clay or Draymond is, is like you were saying, Steve, they don't really have much value. So whatever you're getting back for one of those guys, especially Clay, like you're not getting a lot back. And you have to talk to staff and be like, hey, is this? cool like are we good to trade this guy you've played with your entire career or would you rather us re-sign clay at a much smaller number and have clay take on a much lesser role and like have clay sit down with andre iguodala and talk about how to be this vet who is more of a role player and is more there to to help the vibes 
Yeah, it's it's tough. And you know what's a, a weird conversation that I heard? And uh, have you heard of the Bill Simmons hypothetical about the Warriors and Hornets? Warriors and Hornets. Uh, a Steph, a Steph homecoming. Yeah, <laughs> I want to play one of Seamus's favorite game. Who who says no? <laughs> to the you heard the hypothetical. So the hypothetical he proposed was if if the Charlotte is it the Charlotte Hornets? Yeah, the Charlotte Hornets came to the Golden State Warriors and said, "We will give you Lamelo Ball." And three first rounders for Steph Curry. Who's saying no to that? Golden State, because yeah. because uh, if you can get, if just some earthquake happens and all of a sudden like a a, a one B for Steph becomes available, then you can make the run. So even if it's only for like two or three years. Uh, you gotta, you gotta just like hold out hope that something crazy happens and like you get your chance to bring in a disgruntled star and make a run like that. Maybe I'm just a pessimist, but I think the nails are already in the coffin for the Warriors. I don't think they're ever coming back from where they are. I think we've seen the collapse of the dynasty. Like they had a, they had a big three with Steph Clay. And um, Draymond, at one point, obviously, you had KD in there, but they had that core, and it, there's one pillar left of that. And the guy's, what, 38 now, I believe, 37, 38 years old. I think we've seen the end of the franchise as a, a dynasty, a contender every year. And if they don't do anything now to just reset and, and build around maybe Kaminga, some, some of those young guys, they're just going to lose these assets. And it's hard because there's so much... There's so much story storiness of some of these guys and it's really hard to jettison them out of town so it's a really tough situation to manage emotions and the harsh reality of business with that one um for either of you guys before you get off the deadline i know we don't think it's gonna be overly exciting but are there any potential trades that you think are looming or you'd like to see uh biddies i'll let you go first on that one i don't know who the dance partner is but i do hope that okc does something because like Shay is basically the same age as Jason Tatum. So like Shay is at the age where it's like, this is winning time. This is when, you know, guys get their first ring. So you have the main guy ready to win. Everybody else around him is young, but it's like, you have all these draft picks that you're never like that. You truly cannot use all of them. You have a, a contract in Davis Bertans who can, make sure that you're bringing in a good player. And also when you have to start giving guys like Jalen Williams and Chet, their next deals, then you are not going to have that flexibility to bring in new blood. So I just think this is the opportunity to like, I'll bring Alex Caruso back. Like if Alex Caruso's there, if like Nick Richards from Charlotte, I don't think we're talking about giving up a lot for Nick Richards, but even just having a different look at center could make the difference of winning a playoff series or not. And obviously after you get through one round, anything can happen. So I would love to see OKC make a move because they have the ability to do it. Uh, at least as of this morning, I believe they were number one seed in the West and they, they have lived this. They, you know, we can scroll on Instagram and see the picture of young KD, Harden, Westbrook, Ibaka, 
and be like, whoa, like they had all those guys at once, but there's no banner to show for it. Like you got to go all in even when you're young because you just don't, you don't know how quick it can fall apart. Can I ask, throw some suggestions for OKC potentially? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Would love to see them add some more size when they play some of these bigger teams. Uh, I know Chet, <laughs> we, we got a guest appearance. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, but uh, when, we, when they play some of these bigger teams, uh, we know we love Chet, but he's obviously still growing into his frame. They get bullied a little bit on the underneath the, the basket. I'd like to see him add some size. Two names I wrote down. Uh, we know that the Raptors are pretty much selling and, and giving up on the season. Yaka Pertle, I don't know what, what his asking price would be for Yaka Pertle, but he's a really good uh, big, can run the pick and roll, grab boards. Less sexy name that you can get probably for less, uh, Daniel Gafford from the Wizards. Uh, very good interior defender, can grab boards. Just someone to like not start, but just play minutes against bigger teams. I don't know if you like any of those names. Um. Yeah, I mean, I think like like Nick Richards is my guy for for a big to to come to um, to OKC. Like, just PJ Washington also from Charlotte. I don't know if you want to try getting both in in one deal. That might be a lot at once. Um, but those would be guys that I'm targeting, or even like. Even if it's just like not a true area of need, like probably wouldn't cost much to go get Malcolm Brogdon. Ooh. And just like if if Josh Giddy just sucks in the playoffs, like you have a veteran guy like who was in the conference finals last year, like just as another option. So even if you're not like addressing a top need, just bringing in more talent. I think is something that they should be doing because they just have such an abundance of picks and now their own picks are projecting to be in the late twenties anyway. Like go get anyone. D, do you have any uh, trade deadline targets for any teams that you want to throw out before we get out of here? So I don't have a player for this team that I'm going to throw in, but I feel as though just because, and I say this and they're losing at the moment, but just because of where they're sitting and how underperforming specific teams at the top of the East are, ha- you know, are doing. How would you like it if like Orlando made a move? Um, and I know that you, the way that I see this is Paulo is now an all-star. Franz is an incredible big. Suggs is doing decent, right? Like no as they're Suggs. Oh, what's that? He's a wing. It's okay though. Well, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. He gets his 20 and six a game. Um, what I'm saying is, if they were able to add a piece to that team, you have your young talent, you have your superstar in, in Pualo, do you go out there and potentially get rid of some type of draft capital to make a run in the East, knowing that the Bucks are vulnerable, the Knicks are going to be pretty decent, the 76ers are no longer a threat, and we've seen what the Celtics can be in the playoffs? Uh, short answer, no. And the reason why is that you know, I like to play 2K. I like to play the dynasty mode, right? And you're you're number two. And We're you're not like, bringing in 2K logic on, to this. Hold on, let me, let, me, let me just speak on, on what I'm okay, trying to say. Ahead. You get into year two, like your 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 year one's pretty bad. Your year two, you're like, oh shit, I'm like 500. Like I got a nice little squad. Then I drafted a bunch of guys. Are young, very excited, and you start getting itched. Like, oh, should I just go out and make some trades and like push my team a little bit more? 
before what, right? Like you have to stick to your process. If you have young guys, let them develop together. You know what your timeline is. Like coming to the season as a Magic fan, my goal, my goal was just to make the playoffs via either play-in or whatever. Like the goal is just playoffs this year. And if you make that, check that box, you are thrilled. It's one step at a time. I think doing too much too early can screw them. They need to add shooting. One player I actually wrote down that I'm interested in because um, I've always been a fan of this player is Denny Advia from the Wizards. I think he'd be a nice fit because he he's like a jack of all trades, can handle the ball. Okay defender. Uh, you can stick him at the at the three as a, a bigger player and he can shoot the three. You know, that's a player that I would type like for, for the Magic. Someone who can grow with them, who's not too old. Um, but that was a long answer. The short answer is no, I wouldn't make any moves right now from Orlando. There's nothing wrong with that. I just see it as, I think the West is tough. I think those top six teams are going to be tough for no matter who matches up against them. That's OKC, Minnesota, even though they're young, Clippers, Nuggets, uh, Kings and Suns, just because of the players that they have on those teams. I look at the East and I don't think anybody cares about the Cavs. They're I don't good. think anybody they're good. They've, I think they've won. They've won nine of ten. Um, I think they've won like some insane, like fourteen of fifteen. They're they're really good right now. We said the same thing about Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland last year, and not even in a, in a disrespectful way. I'm just saying they were an incredible regular season team last year. Got to the playoffs. They were undersized. They got beat. Nobody really cares about Philly right now. The the threat ish, and there's just because they're doing the same. The reason why I say ish is because they're doing the same thing that they've done for the past six years, which has played down to the level of their competition, is the Celtics. So if you think you have the team where you could you could make a run faster than you expected, you expedite this process, an extra player here or there might actually be something that be, you know, I would say look into. I just don't I don't think Orlando's ready. Like they haven't gotten any play they they like their goal should just be get a little bit of playoff experience go through the play in like same way it was kind of the other side of the coin like i was talking about how shay's like 26 Powell's in his second year like don't don't blow anything up like don't don't do what cleveland did back when they were building around lebron and just like make trades to make trades and then all of a sudden you don't have the I think also you guys come from privileged situations where you're a Lakers fan, you're a Celtics fan. Those are franchises. Well, maybe not as much the Celtics, but those are franchises that can attract free agents. People will want to stay there. Like Orlando's not a sexy place to, to get sent to. And I think they've built a really nice culture. They've drafted players and kept them happy and kept them in-house. And I think that's kind of the way that Orlando has to operate. Um, home grow guys, get guys who want to be there and cultivate that versus just shipping guys in and out because it just doesn't work in Orlando. The T-Mac disrespect. <laughs> well, we already know what's going to happen. Once Parlo gets to his contract, he's just going to go to LA. We've seen the the writing on the wall with Shaq. He's <laughs> Dwight, what's going to happen with Poncaro. So it's hard to say it, but like get the four years, <laughs> years that you can out of him, but he's got a Laker jersey already ready for him. I hate you. <laughs> I don't know how much time we'll spend on this topic. I know this is something that interests you, D. Um, kind of like the uh, the idea of some of the injuries around the league, how it's affecting award races and all NBA teams. Maybe we can touch on like a few interesting award race things here. Uh, but D, get kick us off on this. Yeah, before I even end, uh, you know mention names, I'll just ask you guys uh, first. I'll start with Biddy's. 
How do you feel about this minimum 65 game played rule that does affect all NBA, affects all awards, MVP included and whatnot? How do you feel about the rule that's uh, put in place? On the one hand, it is like the players and teams pushed the league to do something because there was just so much skipping of marquee games. I don't like the rule, though, because it wasn't – a the, the awards being given to guys was not the problem. And guys don't win All-NBA – like first team if they don't play 65 games anyway. So it was already like self-regulated and then they just put this rule on. So I'm not really a fan of it, but I understand that the NBA, especially with the new TV contract, they're just like, yo, LeBron and AD, why are you sitting a Celtics game on TNT? And obviously the Lakers <laughs> ended up winning anyway, but it's just like – for for these big marquee matchups when dudes are sitting, like that's a bad look for the league as they're trying to sell the league to TV networks. I am absolutely pro the rule change. And I think we've seen superstars play the most games we've seen in 10, 15 years. I mean, I don't think I've seen a Kawhi Leonard game before this year in like four years since he was in Toronto. I swear to God, man. And it's it's refreshing to see Guys like Kawhi play all the time, LeBron, AD, and not only that, but now we have a guy, Kawhi Leonard, who we kind of thought, I will say me, I kind of thought his career was in the gutter and he was just a shell of himself. He's legitimately an MVP candidate. Like maybe not the first two or three in line, but he's he is up there. I think it's, it's a refreshing thing to see guys play. And I think the only reason why there's so much chatter this week about the rule is because the Embiid thing. And listen, brother, if, you're, if your knee is that banged up, like, you have to just say, hey, man, it ain't for me this year. Like, I got to rest, whatever. That's on you, man. I think this award's not just to prevent people from playing with serious injuries, which Embiid did. It's it's the load management. It's the DNP rest. You know, oh, my, my back's a little tight. I'm just going to take the day off. And it's been nice to see to see the stars play, just to tune in on a random Wednesday night and watch watch the best players. Yeah, I'm with you. I would say I like the rule. Um, I don't know if it's going to be changed or replicated in any, or revised in any type of way, like lower the games played like, you know, from 65 to 60 um, or have to play 70 games, whatever it would be, the, the inverse of what it is now. Um, I see it as, honestly, it's going to affect more contracts um, with the way that people get paid incentive-wise because they're, not everybody has an MVP built into their contract to get an incentive. A lot of NBA players have all NBA, you know, all NBA teams offensively or all NBA defensive teams built into their contracts. And I have a couple of names that I wrote down, where it's just like these are guys that like I said they needed to be available for them to make runs. One of them being Chris Porzingis in Boston. It's like he has to be available if if they're going to make a run. And I think he's missed. Let me see, it was 12, 13 games this season, which is going to affect his all-NBA defense award. Because when he's on the court, I didn't think he was like that. But he, boy, can play some defense. And he's affecting the game when he's out there. This is going to, I guarantee you, this is going to affect his ability to be an all-NBA first, second, or third teamer when it comes to all-NBA defense. And then another star that's on the cusp that everybody's talked about post the in-season tournament, Tyrese Halliburton. He's not quite cusp of MVP talk just because of their record. 
but he's definitely on that all NBA team tier and he's going to miss out on a ton of incentives, a ton wow. of money if he misses these games where he's currently at 13 missed games. Well, he's still got half a season left. He's doing the the weird weird version of load management where they're basically on a minute restriction. He's playing the very I think it's what is it, Betty's? Maybe you can fill me in on this. You have to play twenty four minutes to qualify to for a game played. I th- I thought it was twenty, 20 but okay, like yeah. it's it's right it's right in that area. And he's playing twenty four minutes a game, so he's basically like half returning because he's not fully right, so he can make that that qualifier. I do think the Tyrese Halliburton one's a little more damning than the Embiid injury because you know I'm I'm not trying to judge anyone's bag. Right, if Embiid wants to get MVPs and potentially get more money later on, that's fine. But you know, a guy like Tyrese hasn't got that humongous supermax payday, so I understand him trying to trying to go for this. And, and to your point, Biddy's like, I do think you have a point in the fact that the awards itself were self-regulated, where the voters would take into account the games played when determining who wins or who doesn't. So, what does it matter? But I would counter it by saying that it's a little more tangible for players now where there wasn't a defined defined number and now there's a defined number they're more aware of what the ramifications are of sitting out games and to be fair to the players too i i would say that the players generally want to play and that load management is more of organizational thing where they are trying to protect their assets i don't know if if you agree with me or not d doesn't it depends. Is it Ben Simmons? Like, it depends on the dude of just like, it depends on the dude um, and depends on the night. But yeah, Halliburton's the one that sucks because if he gets all NBA, then that like gets him super max eligibility. So we're talking about like tens of millions of dollars that swing on whether or not this guy can play 65 games and it's just like with the season he's having if he ended up at 60 games i think in years past he wouldn't be first or second team all nba but he would be like third yeah maybe they can do like a little clause for third team nba where they like you know they remove the limit just to help dudes out who've been amazing all year uh and just miss the threshold i'm, I'm with you on that biddies i also don't like that they're just making all nba like top 15 and they're getting rid of positions. positions yeah. I don't we're like talking, that. <laughs> While we're talking awards, I still like refuse to accept that. I hope that the voters just make it work. The top so three for, team. for this year was Giannis, Joel, and Jokic. And it's just like, that's three bigs. Literally, yeah. who, who are you going to put out there? Is it going to be, if you got LeBron, not saying he is, but if he made all team, that's four bigs, literally six, eight, and above. You know, you might throw in a point guard with that, but like, who's the most deserving point guard right now? I don't know. It's crazy. Shay, Shay, yeah, Shea, so it's yeah. A weird time for the NBA when it comes to that type of stuff. If they want more flexibility, I would prefer front court, back court, kind of like do with the uh, All Star game. Yeah, I'll take that. Just to have some structure. Um, any interesting award races that you guys just want to mention real quick? I mentioned the before the show. I've been locked in the rookie of the year. I have some futures on. When Benyama and I was feeling pretty bad about them a couple uh, couple of weeks ago, maybe a month ago, but he's turned that around. Uh, but uh, do you guys want to, you like that one, Biddies? Yeah, I just thought it was weird when people were like talking about it like it was over because Chet was obviously playing at a level that he deserved to be the front runner, but people were talking about it like it's over and 
Wemby just does things on the basketball court that you've never seen anybody else do. And there's just like the possibility with Wemby that he goes on a two-week stretch where he averages 30 points per game. Like that is on the table with a dude that like we just haven't seen before. I do think that if OKC gets the number one seed and Chet's stats are very good, they're not quite with Wemby. But if OKC gets the number one seed with Chet putting up the numbers that he is, I still think he'll get it. But there's like a Wemby explosion that could happen that would be awesome and would totally shake everything up. Yeah. I, I think we got like a little version of that already, but like I can see just as this dude rounds out his first year, just like kind of goes nuclear for a week or two. It's just gonna be interesting to see what influence each of their slow and hot starts because with Wemby, he's obviously a pure rookie and there's a huge adjustment from playing in the France league to the NBA. And it, I think it took him a good month and a half, two months to kind of get himself acclimated. Also, we, he was playing power forward. They moved him to center, and he's been really good in that role. Uh, what, when and Jeremy Sohan was the point guard. Yeah, I mean, those things are not going to help you at all. And then it comes down to, like, voters. Do you value the true freshman or the red versus the red shirt freshman year? Because I think it does play a huge impact in, um, at least mentally, like, Chet's probably much more advanced than Wemby coming in because he has that extra year to be in an NBA system. It'll be fun to see how that that finishes up. That's probably the closest award race there is right now. I mean, there's some closeness with six man of the year, but that's one of those awards that's weird. And MVP Jokic has a has opened up a little bit of a, a breathing room. I think he's at minus one sixty now, but there's also really good contenders. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if if SGA uh, ends up by snagging the award if they can keep that number one seed. And he's he's been a phenomenal player for them this year. Yeah, I would I would say like. Jokic, you gotta just like we saw how off the rails last year's MVP race went. And I don't think it'll get back to that this year. But like if it's getting tight again, one of the things that people were bringing up was like playoff success. And I think that there's gonna be some comfort in giving it to Jokic, just like knowing that you're not gonna look as silly. Um, if Milwaukee can turn it up with new coach Doc Rivers, like maybe Giannis gets into the fray there. Just don't get them in a seven-game series trying to close out with new coach Doc Rivers. Goodness, it's seven <laughs> automatic L. Hey, he got his first win the other night, so we'll give him that. We'll give him that. Um, anything else? War races, D, for you? I know you were about boxed out on that segment a little bit. Yeah, no, that was basically it. I don't think there's, unfortunately, with the Joel Embiid, uh, injury. I don't think there's really going to be a race like we saw, like you were saying, Biddy's uh, from last year, because it was fun. Um, it was fun towards the end of the season, seeing one go off for 50, but another go off for 25, 12, and, and 10. Um, and I think, like you were mentioning with the rookie of the year, I I was on the on the boat of, well, I mean, the team's winning, and Chet's doing what he's doing. A lot of credit is going more towards Shea Gilgis Alexander as the season goes along, in which Wemby doesn't have that alongside of him. So you may see towards the end of the season when those non-playing teams are like eliminated from the playoffs, they start using backups or summer league players and Wemby is still playing. And then he goes out there and gets a 50, 20 and 30 game, like doing something absolutely stupid. So I wouldn't be surprised with that while, you know, Chet's getting ready for the playoffs and, and that's what tips the scale for him winning the award. 
one interesting thing really quick before we move off of this. I know you mentioned Jokic, and we talked about kind of how the Thunder are on the top of the West and, you know, where the Nuggets end up could influence voters' opinion of Jokic as the MVP. I heard an amazing stat today about the Nuggets. The Nuggets right now are 35-16, and 16, right, through, was that, 51 games? Same time last year, after 51 games, they finished as the one seed, right? They won the championship. What was the record? 35-16. Exact same record, exact same home road splits, everything. So while they're, they're the four seed in the West now, and they're, they're, we're kind of sleeping on them because they've been uninteresting, this team could go on a run like they did last year and end up with the one seed. So who knows? That can flip a switch. They are one of the teams that I typically say there's other teams that think they can do this. They are a Golden State-esque flip the switch. Could care less about the regular season. Could care less if they're the one or two seed. You don't want to play them in the playoffs. Well, just like with the run that Jokic has been having for years, NBA history suggests that a repeat or like two titles in three years is totally possible with how good he's doing. Very excited to see how that team finishes out. Let's get to something even more exciting. Frizz is five, but Biddy's five. All right. I did. I did. Prepare yourselves for the greatest and most unique segment in podcast history. Let's rank some stuff with biddies. It's time <laughs> for free. Biddies. Jump the gun on me, man. You got, you can need your intro Into, music. Yeah. Yo, you, you haven't invited me back in so long. <laughs> I forgot. It's been too long. I guess. I guess this puts the the next invitation even further out. <laughs> no, even closer. We like mistakes or anything. It's funny. <laughs> so, All right, I did. I did warn you that this might be the last guest five that you give. My my five is my top five obscure NBA bubble memories. <laughs> wow, that's <is> so <laughs> random. I love it though. <laughs> I love it. All right, number five is that Wait, before, as the bubble was before before you start, let's just set the scene. Picture this: twenty twenty. You're wearing gloves, mask, and when you bring your groceries home, you're spraying it with Lysol. You come back and you watch the NBA bubble, and Biddy has has written down all his notes about the most crazy shit he's seen. This is his top five. <laughs> So number five, before the bubble even started, Kyrie Irving was campaigning his teammates to not go and start their own league. (laughs) Dog, I forgot about that. Oh, yeah. He, like, brought everybody into, like, a meeting room for it. Oh, my God. You know what, man? Like... That's not even like the, the number one absurd Kyrie. Like that's, that might not be the top five absurd Kyrie things in the past several years. As I was like chewing through this, it was like that really felt like one of the like oh Kyrie's kind of getting on the fringes here. Like the flat Earth thing, people weren't sure if he was serious. The the Celtics like unhappiness. 
you know, we see that with athletes all the time. But when a guy's like, we need to start our own league, that's that's something. How is that number five? <laughs> Can't wait for the rest. All right, number four, William Rondell, brother of Rajan, got ejected from a game for talking trash with Russell Westbrook. (laughs) Oh, man. It was truly an absurd time, that bubble. And the funny thing is that, I mean, I'll come back for the William Rondo episode right after the Rocky episode. William Rondo has like a successful business sort of being a maker of arrangements for celebrities. Like he started with Rajan and then met people through Rajan and like has a lot of clients. So you would think he knows how to carry himself, but Westbrook and Rondo, bit of a rivalry, at least don't see eye to eye. And William got kicked out of the bubble game. It was actually funny. There was a um, there was another game in which they were like parents and like wives with children, and somebody also was like losing their mind. It's dead <laughs> silent. All you can hear is the ball dribbling and feet squeaking or or shoes squeaking on the court. And somebody's in the back. Hey, asshole! I call him a foul reference. Like you're the only person in here. We can all hear you. So, yeah, it's so. like it's like going back to AAU. Exactly. One of, yeah. one of my honorable mentions was fans just like on the Zoom. I love that. Thanks. I loved that. Oh, I'm I'm glad that it's over, but it is an obscure memory. Do you remember like the for the finals they just put like celebrities on the Zoom screen? Oh, <laughs> Miami, LA. That's what that's what you would have. By the way, you know what I've tried to do? This is a tangent. We get intense here. Mm-hmm. If you ever watch the league pass, like you can see the in arena entertainment. And sometimes they have like scan scan the QR code now to like be on the jumbotron. You know goddamn well your boy's scanned the fucking jumbotron in his living room trying to get on the jumbotron <laughs> in the middle of like the AT and T center, wherever the fuck it is. Wow, I love that move. I love that move. I just got on the the Capital One Arena jumbotron, and oh. somebody somebody texted my wife. It was like, you guys are at the game. It was up there for three seconds. I was impressed. I wish I could go to a game for four bucks like you do in DC. <laughs> this was this was Wemby on a Saturday oh, night, so okay. it was a little bit more expensive, but 15. it was it was cool. <laughs> All right. Number three. The NBA flew in a DJ to host a pool party. One person attended. <laughs> And one person attending alone is funny. Yes. The one person was Dwight Howard. Oh my god, dude! I can't, man. This biddies, you came on. You you text me said I got a I got a list. It might be stupid. I'm like I like stupid. This is not stupid. This is the greatest fucking list we've ever done. (laughs) This is is history. All right, number number two. This is a three for one. These are these are quarantines that got uh, broken. You know, like, I guess like required because of yeah, quarantines broken and then a new quarantine required. So, Dan Daniel House, he he, I think he might have gotten kicked out of the bubble uh, for for inviting a female guest and sneaking her in. Uh. On a similar similar idea, 
uh, Lou Will, he got permission to leave the bubble to go to a funeral. On the way back from the funeral, uh, he stopped by a little establishment known as Magic City. Uh, now, he said that he was there for the wings. Lemon, um, baby. You know, <laughs> it is what it is. And our last quarantine violation was Rashawn Holmes, who took like three steps too many to pick up a DoorDash. <laughs> I legit wrote that down as like, I hope he mentions, as I said, kicked out for picking up DoorDash on my paper. That's amazing. <laughs> and then number one, oh. just like, you know, we got. You want your drum roll? Give me my drum roll. All right. It's like a longer explanation okay. than the drum roll warrants. <laughs> but, you know. NBA players, they were sharing a lot on social media, just like oh, what was going oh, on. Oh. You know, like a lot of golfers were golfing. Uh, <laughs> so a lot of golfers were golfing. One of the hobbies that seemed to take off with the players was fishing. Oh, that's not what I wrote down. And, and, and there was a video that he posted to his own social media where none other than Ben Simmons caught a fish. And when he went to throw the fish back into the ocean, he missed the ocean. <laughs> oh God. I'm here for anything that can make fun of Ben Simmons. I went to a, a Nets Orlando magic game this year in Brooklyn. And my wife just looks at me and goes, I don't know why, but I feel like I just want to make fun of Ben Simmons. And I'm like, yeah, that's the right feeling. <laughs> So wrong. So wrong. You oh man. Good list. I've got, that was great. I've list. got a few. Do, do we want to do honorable mentions? Oh yeah. I mean, go for it. All right. Well, it, this is really continued on into uh, a commercial now, but this, I feel like this is where we found out about Jimmy Butler's love of coffee. That's pretty, pretty wholesome one that, okay. that I like. Um, this one this is my only on court is that TJ Warren dropped 53 points in a game. Bubba Warren. Bubba Warren. And then my last one is that Tatum showed up to the bubble kind of with like his, his lockdown hair, and he had very long curls, and he sucked in the first game, so he got a haircut. <laughs> oh, it was such a weird time. I I wrote down, I, I showed it on the paper. Maybe that wasn't part of the bubble, but was it, in, it was. was it? In I the, think it was. When Jamal Murray put his his pubes and dick on Snapchat by mistake, like as yep. a, my story. <laughs> Pretty sure that was in the bubble. Oh my god, that was a him, fun time. That was also the uh, I thought you were gonna bring it up the the Donovan fifty seven, the explosion of that game, um, just because it was like it was like AAU esque back in the day. It was just two dudes, yeah. like Jamal Murray and 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 Donovan Mitchell going at it. It's just like. After the game, they're walking down along poolside. Fifty-seven. It's like little kids. It's just like we're all locked up, and like we get to go like that. So that, that that was a pretty cool moment. But yes, the the whole Snapchat thing definitely did happen in the bubble. <laughs> I I love the list. I just feel like the most ridiculous, funniest one was number three, Dwight Howard at a pool party by himself <laughs> with the DJ. Oh man, that dude. I can't believe he was my franchise player for so long. God damn it. Won a championship in LA. Oh, God. Stop rubbing it in, man. 
Not a ton of time to get into the last couple topics, but we'll get into each one of them. NBA contenders, it was kind of more of a, from being transparent, Biddies is a Celtics fan. We wouldn't, I wouldn't call the Lakers a contender, but we can talk on the Lakers as a contender. You're a Lakers fan. It was kind of a chance to talk on some of the better teams that you guys were interested in. Biddies, floor is yours. I'm in tons of chats with Celtics fans. Dude, you guys are fucking awesome, and all I hear is bitching, bitching, bitching every other night about something stupid. I think they are legit the front runner to win the championship. I don't know what moves they would have to make to improve, but I think they have the core there right now. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely uh, a spoiled Boston fan mentality. Just like had Tom Brady expect to win all the time, and I, I hate hearing it. There's they, they're very good, and I think that this is the best that they've looked. Porzingis unlocks a lot on the offense. Um, I still worry about just the reliance on the three-point shot. They don't go to the rim enough. They they When they, they're shooting so many threes, they shoot threes, miss, can get behind in games, and then shoot more threes, and then getting back on defense is bad because they have these long rebounds. And I just wish that Missoula would get the team to sort of like buy in more on trying to win in a different way. But like, I don't think Missoula is really interested in that. So that's what my concern is, is that like mentally they just don't do like if it's not coming easy to them, then they kind of like make it extremely hard on themselves. And, you know, Zion had his game winner last uh, two nights ago, I think. And he goes straight to the rim. And I sent that to my Celtics groups. And I was like, somebody please show this to Jason Tatum. Whenever there's a big opportunity, like a game tying game winning opportunity, it's a Jason Tatum fadeaway. And he always misses. And it's just like, dude, you put on all this muscle, go to the basket and, and try to finish. So I think that the Celtics are deserving of being co-favorites with the Nuggets. They've looked better than the Nuggets, but obviously the Nuggets, you got to respect the championship pedigree. Um, and I think like they're very deserving favorites to come out of the East. Yeah, I think the the dichotomy of shots from the three-point arc and, and inside's a, a huge potential Achilles heel for the Celtics in the playoffs. I, I listened to Zach Lowell. I like his podcast and he was talking about over the past eight games or so, you know, they, you know what a percentile is? Are you familiar with that term? Basically, it's like you take all the numbers in a row and you basically, you know, if you're the zero percentile, you're like the very worst, like the very lowest number, that 100 is your highest. The past eight games, the Celtics were like 17, 25, 10, 25%. So like all very low numbers as far as shots taken at the rim and they they've almost at, at times their detriment abandoned attacking the rim and it's wild because I've always thought of spacing as like we create spacing with all these shooters to open up that interior to spread the defense out where you can't have guys cheating into the paint and they've kind of abandoned that philosophy as just like no we're just having half the shooters to have shooters and while it's working now and it's cute now you get in the playoffs man it's it gets really hard to score your legs get tired. It's been a long season, and it's just harder to make those three-point shots. And I hope that at some point the Celtics do 
begin to attack the paint more, especially with their two star players, Tatum and Brown, are big physical slashers and they can get to the paint. Um, but that being said, I think they should still be probably a, the favorite to win the championship at this point. Um, D, I know you're a Lakers fan, but have you been following the Celtics at all? Yeah, oddly, I mean, I do uh, just based off of friends group and whatnot in order for me to stay relative uh, with the chat. And it's the same sentiment that, that I've said that you've already said, but he's just mentioning the shooting has got to, I won't say stop, but they have to find a way to get to the rack in pivotal game situations. And for the Celtics, I feel as though they're not going to be judged off of their regular season. They're, they're past that when it comes to skill now. So they should be better than everyone in the regular season. They, they have the most talented five-man roster, and you can even count six with their, their six men off the bench uh, in the NBA. So they should finish first. But bad habits in the regular season leak out in the playoffs, like you're mentioning. And we've seen when they get to the playoffs, barring you know they did get to the finals four years ago, three years ago, if I believe, they were still exposed. And coaching... Gets exposed at certain parts. I don't. I think you need a. I think they needed a tougher coach as opposed to somebody that's just going off of analytics. Which what they're doing is, if we just get as many possessions as possible, we shoot as many shots as possible, we can outscore everybody. It's going to come down to playing defense and actually, I would say, scoring in the paint in the playoffs. And they're just struggling right now with that. Still a top two team, obviously best team in the East. Not going to say that they're not a contender, but it's just one of those things where like there's a there's a there's a clear flaw that they're still not addressing, and it's going to bite them in the ass. I'm I'm out on Joe Missoula for the sheer fact that he watches the town every day, and that's fucking weird. Amy <laughs> <laughs> Adoka would slap him across the head, but uh, Biddy's really quick for the Celtics. Are there any moves? I mean, the deadline again, two days. We didn't talk in the Celtics. Are there any moves you'd like to see them make? I would. I would personally, right before you get in there. My biggest concern for the Celtics has been and will still be Kristaps Porzingis because if he goes down, that is a huge blow for the Celtics. I would like to see them get like a, a formidable backup big to help out and give them some sizing if the worst case scenario happens. But is there something you would like to see? I mean, just with their um, salary, their, their cap flexibility and what they'd be willing to trade from their from their rotation like there's not an impact player that's coming to the Celtics for what they have available to trade so whoever they get like I'm not going to be terribly over the moon for it I feel like I've wanted Thaddeus Young for about six years so maybe Thad Young gets bought out um I know that some team somewhere is going to talk themselves into Otto Porter speaking of Toronto um but I just like I don't see some game changer coming. I'm more interested in, okay, can we give O'Shea Brissett more of an opportunity so we can work him into the rotation more? Can we let Jordan, Jordan Walsh has played very well in, in uh, the G league. He was our first round pick. Can we give him a more of a shot at the NBA level to see if he can be 70% of what Grant Williams was doing for the Celtics that's what I'd like to see is like the internal improvements because like if they get Andre Drummond, Andre Drummond is like not going to make a big impact. Ideally, I, I brought up Nick Richards earlier. I think like they could make that happen, but I don't understand. I don't understand why Charlotte would do that because they could just 
probably get something more. Um, So I think like internal improvements is really what they need to invest in and just like do a little, do a little heat culture, just turn, turn Nemeas Keda into like a 12 minute, a game monster on the glass that swings the game for you. Andre Drummond would be the worst thing to happen to the Celtics. He's a revolving door in defense. He's a mess. Uh, D, I don't know why we haven't gotten to this before in the show. I'm going to pivot to the Lakers really quick because I want to touch on your team with the deadline looming. We didn't talk about during the deadline moves, DeJunta Murray. DeJunta Murray. I don't know why I want to call him DeJunta. I think Shea called him that one time and he screwed with my head, but it's DeJunta Murray. <laughs> and um, the the ticking hourglass that LeBron has sent to Rob Palenka and the Lakers organization I personally don't think there's any moves. And I was a pessimist last year at the deadline, so maybe I'm just being a Laker hater. I don't think there's any moves that they can make realistically that's going to make them into what they want to be as a title contender or get them to the conference finals. Do you think that there are moves, and do you like the potential for DeJounta Murray with the Lakers, if that's possible? Three potential moves, and not so much that it automatically puts them in the NBA Finals, but it does what happened last year, which is a kick in the ass for them to reset post-deadline, post-All-Star break. First move is, I hate that you brought it up. Uh, actually, I'll give my way first one. Deontay, De- De- Deontay Murray, Dejounte Murray, Deontay Murray, however you pronounce it. They need a playmaking point. They need somebody that can take stress off of LeBron, play a little bit of defense, not expect them to lock down. But D'Lo doesn't have defense. And yes, he's at his peak right now with offensive performance. But you also need to spread the ball around. When he, I think you use the word variance a lot. He's a high variance player. And right now he's at the top of that. So you might have to sell while he is. But when he's at his low, he's seventh man off of the bench in the playoffs. So I think Deontay Murray, younger, faster, a little bit you know, smarter on the court when it comes to playmaking, he helps that. That at that end of the um of the front court when it comes to basketball front court is point guards, back okay. court's point guards. Back, back, back court. I never got that right. Sorry. Almost. <laughs> second, yeah, it was fifty percent chance. Uh, second move is what Biddy's talked about. I um you like took my you guys took everything that I was going to talk about, and that's uh, Andre Drummond. The reason why I say Drummond is look at here, you have you're getting MVP level out of Anthony Davis right now. Like he if he stays healthy, he is. A hundred percent a contender for being an MVP with what he's putting out there numbers wise. They have Vanderbilt, I think, is injured at the moment, but they're getting Jackson Hayes minutes that's helping supplement when AD's gone. I don't need Drummond to change the landscape of of the Lakers, but he's a defensive presence at the rim. You're saying he's a revolving door in the pick and roll. I get that. But you just need six, seven possessions to spill AD for him to get back out there so that he can stay healthy. Last move is one that I know you all probably laugh, but it's it's the position that is going to help the Lakers. It's Dennis Schroeder's out there still. Dennis Schroeder, he, he fumbled the bag, unfortunately, when he said he was going to get a, a shit ton of money. He should have took the deal that LA was giving him. Because it's the position that they need, a playmaking point guard that can just play some type of defense. And that's going that will help spark them, get the output that they got out of all of those players that they traded for last year. You get the most out of Reeves, obviously, if he's not a part of any packages. And then you help out LeBron when it comes to alle- alleviating pressure leading into the playoffs. I like the shorter move for them because the, the price is probably not going to be too high. Toronto's probably willing to move him because they seem like they're going to uh, go the other way. 
I you know you know my feeling on Drummond. Um, the Murray thing, like again, I don't think it may really moves the needle for them. But all three of those guys, I think the Lakers' biggest problem. They want to retain their defensive identity because that's kind of what their been their foundation has been. They really desperately need some shooting. I don't know if any of that solves it for them. Um, but is you do you have any opinions on the potential Murray trade or anything else Lakers related? I mean, for Murray, I do think you have to give up Austin Reeves. I think like Atlanta's in a similar position. What I was talking about with Brooklyn, where it's just like if you're not going to like knock our socks off, then we can just continue on and figure this out later. We don't need to sell low. I think for the Lakers, it's not last year because one last year, it was so obvious who needed to be traded. It was Russell Westbrook. I think this year, D'Angelo Russell's playing really, really well right now. And so taking him out of the rotation, maybe that's selling high, but you do have to get somebody to replace some of those games that he wins for you. The other thing that is different from this year, uh, from last year is that they have a much tougher Western conference to go up against last year. They matched up against Memphis in the first round, right? As the jaw stuff is really becoming a huge distraction. Um, and then they got Golden uh, state in the second round, think we see now what golden state like golden state had a really weird year last year with like andrew wiggins being gone um so i i think whatever the lakers do they should probably keep it on the conservative side because i just don't think there's that move out there that's gonna propel them the way they were last year but the problem is tiktok 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 hourglass meme baby um, I I think it's just a precarious situation with the Lakers because different parties with power want different things. LeBron could give two shits about future draft picks because he ain't going to be in that future. And while the Lakers front office obviously would like to win every year, I think at some point you have to take a look in the mirror and be like, what's our realistic probability of winning the championship this year? If we send out our draft picks this year, do we have a 2% chance of winning, 3% chance of winning a championship? Does that is that worth potential pain in the future? Because once LeBron leaves, I don't know how long AD is going to want to stick around or if he's going to be healthy for these future seasons. And those draft picks could be very, very valuable. Uh, before we wrap up the show, we'll have our closing takes, but I do want to get your guys' Super Bowl picks and maybe a quick thought. Um before we get out of here, because the Super Bowl is this Sunday, I'm just going to go off jump. I have a lot of money riding on the 49ers. But I think I'm going to lose it all. <laughs> I think the Chiefs win this thing. It's just really hard to bet against Patrick Mahomes. He's been so good in these playoffs, and 49ers have been wheezing by. That's all I got. I'll go. I'm... Oh, no, no, Biddy's your, your guest. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, okay, thanks, T. Thanks. Um, I'm I'm also going Kansas City just because, like, if I bet on Patrick Mahomes and they don't win, I'm going to be like, hey, that's how it goes. If I bet on Brock Purdy and Patrick Mahomes beats him, I'm going to be like, I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot. So I'm going to bet Patrick Mahomes. I might try to, like, offset some of the risk by doing a little sprinkle on maybe a Christian McCaffrey Super Bowl MVP. 
Um, because I do think if San Francisco is going to win it, they should do what Baltimore did not do and, and pound the rock a little bit, control the clock. So that's that's what I'm thinking. But Lemonster, Massachusetts own Noah Gray is that number two tight end. He's a tight end on the Chiefs that is not dating Taylor Swift. Let's give the kid. I think he's like 43 to one first touchdown scorer. I gotta, <laughs> I gotta rep for Lemons there and go Noah Gray first touchdown. I like it. Do you have? Uh, are you a sports book online legal state? Wherever DC, I don't know if DC is even. A, that's not a state, but you guys get the sports books there now. It's it's a whole thing, kind of. <laughs> we don't have enough time okay. <laughs> to get into You're it. You're like, I gotta get in a boat and go 40 miles off the shore, and I can gamble. Little bit. Yeah. D, what you got for me? I'm going KC. It's just plain and oh. simple for me. There's, there's, I don't care if it's a sweep and like nobody's not going against it. Uh, I'm not betting against Mahomes. Haven't all season tried to tell you. I won't say you guys, but I'll, I tried to tell Trudeau. The Chiefs don't care about the regular season. They care about the postseason. And they have the Grim Reaper, number 15, who and, and Andy Reid, who have the New England Patriots like funk. Meaning, oh crap, 15's on the other side. Oh crap, Andy Reid is going to outcoach us. Coaches do dumb things. And I'm not saying that it was 100% his fault, but Kyle Shanahan blew that Super Bowl Atlanta 28-3 against New England. He was facing Bill Belichick. I understand he's grown since then, but he's also now going up against one of the greatest coaches of all time in Andy Reid. It's going to come down to coaching. Everything besides the quarterback play is pretty equal. The defense is better than San Francisco uh, for KC than San Francisco's, but the offense is better for uh, San Francisco than it is for the offense for Kansas City. The quarterbacks are going to be obviously Mahomes. That coaching is going to be huge. I'm giving the edge to KC. I will never forget the image of Aiden O'Connell and the Raiders just smoking the Chiefs, and that's why I cannot get that dirty taste of the Chiefs loss out of my mouth. I will say this. I feel good about my bet now since we all took KC. We all know what's going to happen. <laughs> let's go, baby. Four now is going to win. Uh, let's, let's get to closing takes and uh, get the hell out of here. The show is coming to an end. But first, it's time to get to anything we've missed. It's closing time. One segment, two takes. Closing takes. I don't know if you know why we have this as a closing music, but I don't know if you're familiar with the, uh, Edwin Diaz of the uh, the Mets closing pitcher. Comes out to Narcos. Oh, I, rec- I recall. Yeah, so I, we just kind of like it's our closing, our closer music. I don't know. We, we dig it, though. It's a heater. Uh, it is good. All right, so I wanted to talk, uh, start off, uh, start us off, and you guys kind of stole my thunder earlier. Someone did. Maybe even Biddy's. I wanted to give shouts to Orlando Magic, first-time All-Star, Paolo Bancaro, because you know what? You need to have an All-Star caliber player to just become a contender, and... I was down on Paolo coming out of the draft. Struggled a little bit at the beginning half of his rookie year. And he's just been trending up ever since. Great player. And I don't want to just talk about him as a player. What really made me happy wasn't the all-star selection, but they I saw a video from Orlando Magic Social 
of them all in a ballroom when they're doing the announcement show and just all everyone in the the room his teammates just went fucking bananas like so happy dumping water on him and it just made me happy to see like a group of professional players so happy for another person on their team makes me feel like there's a good chemistry good vibes and that this team will be fighting for each other in games that matter so yeah i like that shout out um just sucks in 2027 he won't be an orlando magic biddy your turn (laughs) (laughs) all right i'm going i'm going deep cut here pluto tv the free (laughs) tv streaming app has like Super Bowl classics, NFL rewind games, MLB like deciding World Series games. And ever since I've discovered this, they got golf too. Ever since I've discovered this, it's just like revolutionized my work. I feel like I check social media less because it's just like, wow, Phillies Royals, Pete Rose is at the dish. I gotta watch. So big. <laughs> plug for pluto tv get on there you are fucking pitching a no hitter today with these i listen i love the random motherfucking shit that you're bringing to this that's hilarious and amazing this is great i i'm just imagining you working at your desk and just highlights of tiger wood fist pumping on the 18th hole of augusta just in the background i love it man that's Pluto it. TV is the pop-up that I get while I'm using all these illegal sites to watch Red Zone <laughs> or like direct TV games, Lakers at nine o'clock. It pops up and I'm like, no, no, let me go get rid of that. Could be back to the regularly scheduled program, please. Yeah. I mean, listen, you're not going to catch any, anything live, but if you want to see Tony Gwynn get his 3000th hit, Pluto <laughs> TV. The flu game. That is awesome. That's amazing, man. Good shout. Good shout. D, what are you going to close this out on? Hey, I'm going to come in with a left hook just because I typically do this as all traditional WWF slash WWE fans do. Whenever Royal Rumble comes around and WrestleMania is right around the corner, you kind of just like peek in and see what's going on. So big shout out to Cody Rhodes who won the Royal Rumble a couple weeks ago. And then just as the WWE typically does, they grab you by the balls and they rip them out. Apparently, this man not only won the Royal Rumble, which typically punches your ticket to face the WWE champion at WrestleMania, but the night after, just because he's that guy, my man Dwayne Johnson had to ruin this moment. Cody Rhodes steps down and gives the WrestleMania main event to The Rock. So The Rock will be facing Roman Reigns at WrestleMania, and I will not be watching because of that. I love Dwayne Johnson. I'm a big rock fan. Obviously, when I think when Biddy's came in here, I was listening to some WWE music. But like, you gotta just know when to hold them and when to fold them, as they say in the song. And this is one of those times where rock just stick to movies, please. Like, I because I don't like that it ruins the 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 I would say what I remember of him being a wrestler. And he went out to me, he went out on top when he fought when he fought Hogan. And he beat Hogan. I was like, that's it. That's the match. To me, he's the GOAT. I understand people have Austin, Michaels, whoever Triple H you have. To me, that match was like, he's the GOAT. Every WrestleMania match after that, I was just like, you here for the bag? Like, just just stick to movies, man. Like, big fan of Dwayne Johnson. Starting to dislike The Rock, unfortunately, because of shit like this. So, kudos to Cody for winning it. I'm on Team Cody. I think he should be the main event, you know, recipient for winning the Royal Rumble at WrestleMania. 
I feel like there's some type of weird thing that's gonna happen where he might actually be the you know wrestler. We'll see. We'll see. I'm gonna. They they did what they typically do. They bring in the people that watched it back in the '90s and early 2000s for these months. So I'll be watching it on Peacock. I'll be watching the the main event that happens between WrestleMania and Royal Rumble just to see what happens. That's lame, and I I saw some stuff on social media about like like people angry at the rock i didn't understand any of it but i'm glad you filled me in on that i'm a i am the biggest rock fan there is and this pisses me off it's because it's like ruining to me all the matches all the great matches that wrestlemania 17 i'll never forget that fucking match between him and and austin the best promo cut in the history where they used the kid rock song i think it was or or limp biscuit whatever it was whoever it is a great rock song um that that was like peak wrestling and it's like when somebody's 50 60 70 years old i'm just like i don't want to see rick flair no thank you and he's pulling like that we're like bro you 55 years old just like let the younger dudes wrestle please also it's like i mean i would just say like dude what if you took away the royal rumble win from stone cold then you just like lose that entire the juice of that era like we're probably talking wcw right now you gotta you gotta build the brand and like i don't i don't check in too much but i know that they like refuse to take the belt off of reigns and a lot of people want to be cody rhodes and his dad never got the belt and like i just feel like you can put the you can draw people in with the rock against someone else you can do Rock versus Reigns whenever you finally take the belt off Reigns, but it's just like you know that like it's they're just like going back to like the Brock Lesnar era of just like they're just bringing it like they're just bringing somebody in. One oh no, you can't. We're talking about we Brock don't, we don't right talk now. about Brock right now. <laughs> oh, Brock's in trouble. All yes. right, well, I didn't realize Brock was in trouble, but we'll, we'll you in after the show. Yeah, but just like, just don't like, like develop your actual talent. Don't rely on a part-time performer like he who shall not be named. <laughs> like Lord Voldemort, we don't talk about that other man, the nasty man. Good fucking show today, Biddies. Thank you for joining us. You crushed it with. You brought all the unique list, all the unique takes. I love it, man. Thank you so much. Hey, anytime. All right, D, you want to get us out of here, right? Before I get us up out of here, I obviously have to say thank you for being another visitor, man. We always love when you jump on the show and give us the information. Uh, please, the floor is yours before I get us up out of here. Any plugs that you want to throw in before we do, please, all you. I mean, I guess I just got double down. Pluto TV. <laughs> <laughs> no social medias. He doesn't care about that. He stays off the map. So if that's the case, I'll get us up out of here. Shout the way out we Pluto. Do. We should get a sponsorship with Pluto TV. That's all <laughs> I'm saying. We just have to. Uh, please, just like Trudeau was mentioning, if you guys are listening to us live and watching us right now on Tuesday, hit us up on Switch. You can find us, obviously, every Tuesday at 8 o'clock. If we you on find Switch? Us- Switch? They say I said Switch. I think, no, I just it have a, sounds like an ass. I have a stutter, man. Leave my me alone. Bad. Damn, slur my word. <laughs> Damn, as I was saying before I was so rudely interrupted, you can also find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify the next day. You can also hit us up on YouTube for recaps if you want. More importantly, we got a website. It usually is at the bottom, but it's not there today. www.frizzinthegrinch.com. You can find us over there, and you can definitely order some new merchandise. Yeah, just send me the money. I got you. <laughs> Give him the money, and I promise you, you'll get the shipping. It's like six to eight weeks, unfortunately. 
please every time we head on up out of here make sure y'all take care of y'all mentals make sure y'all take care of y'all chicken take care of y'all physicals and we'll catch y'all on the rebound Hey, they got a website that you can hire girlfriends for the day.